Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 137, entitled Make Your WordPress Website Load Faster with Jan Koch. It was published on Thursday the 18th of July 2019. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency, and we're based in the north of England. But before we start all of that, let me point you to a few things on the wpbuilds.com website. So wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. There you'll find a page with a whole bunch of links to all of the places that you can find what WP Builds does. So there's our Facebook group. There is our YouTube channel. There's a couple of mailing lists that you can sign up for. Go and have a look. If you're interested in our content, go and have a look at forward slash subscribe and you'll, uh, you'll find out everything that we do. Okay, forward slash deals if you want to avail yourself of coupon codes, percentages off WordPress plugins, themes, that kind of thing. Go and check it out if you're in the market to buy something because you never know, you might get a significant amount off just by visiting that page. And forward slash advertise if you would like to advertise on the WP Builds podcast, like the Page Builder Framework have. Do you use a page builder to create your websites? Well, the Page Builder Framework is a mobile, responsive, and lightning-fast WordPress theme that works with Beaver Builder, Elementor, Breezy, and other page builders. With its endless customization options in the WordPress customizer, it's the perfect fit for you or your agency. Go to wp-pagebuilderframework.com today. And we do thank our sponsors for their support of the WP Builds podcast. It certainly helps us to keep it going. Okay, before we get stuck into it, let me tell you a little bit about today's episode. It is with Jan Koch, and today we're talking about speeding up your WordPress website. The post today is entitled Make Your WordPress Website Load Faster with Jan Koch, and we talk about all of the things which you could do, which he has done to make his WordPress websites go faster. Some of it will be obvious, some of it less obvious, but we cover topics like hosting, using a minimal theme, caching, how to order the things in the cache, all sorts of different options. We go on to image optimization as well towards the end. So if that is something which you think is important, if you would like to offer that, to your clients and you want to be an authority on that, check out today's episode. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello there. Welcome to the WP Builds podcast once more. Thanks for making it this far. Today, all the way from Emden, I learned the name of a, a German town today in Germany, we have Jan Koch. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Now, Jan is somebody that I've um, I've kind of been aware of Jan's presence largely um, in Facebook and then more recently in kind of like other Facebook groups and some of the articles that he's written. And um, he's been he's been brought on today because we're going to talk about uh, WordPress speed optimizations and how to make your WordPress site uh, load more quickly. So before we get into that, um, I'm going to ask a fairly generic question, Jan, because it's always good to know why we should be listening to somebody and what their experience with WordPress and so on is. So, Jan, I'm just going to ask the very general question. T tell us about your background in WordPress. Sure thing. Um, I started WordPress or using WordPress in 2012. So I've been playing around with it for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. um, I've 
became self-employed as WordPress developer in 2013 and basically made my living building plugins, building themes and stuff, doing project-based freelance work. Recently in the uh, January this year, I joined a German agency as a lead developer and put my own business quite a bit up on the side so that I had um, yeah, my main position basically taken up the usual 40-hour work week and then the free time spending on WP Mastery, which is what we're likely going to talk about the most mm -hmm. in this interview. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and due to that change, I had to kind of change the business model of WP Mastery as well because I didn't have the time to do freelance work anymore. And so I built a team that can deliver WordPress maintenance services and WordPress speed optimization services. And yeah, basically for the entire year, we focused all our efforts on learning how to make WordPress load fast. And my own website recently became a pretty good example for that because I got it to load within the one second range on average with 0.6 seconds being the fastest I've measured it so far. Wow, wow, wow. So it's an it's an ongoing process. That's probably a good place yeah. to start, isn't it? This is not <laughs> Definitely. A, this isn't a click a button, install a plugin, click a button and you're done. It, um, it, it's just like blogging basically. A, a blog never gets finished. Yes, yeah. So okay, so fascinating. So we've got the URL of wpbuildsmastery.xyz. That's probably the place that you should go to. And then if you append to that uh, forward slash, I think we've gone for wpbuilds, did we in the end? Yep. Yeah, WP just, to, just to make it easier. You're going to end up at a, a URL which is make hyphen WordPress hyphen load hyphen faster hyphen than hyphen one hyphen second. But that's hard to say as i've just demonstrated so go for wpmastery.xyz or z if you're in america forward slash wp builds and you're taken to a very long page that has obviously taken Yana a great deal of thought and time uh, and it's entitled make wordpress load faster than one second written um late 2018 so maybe the best way to do it is to go through your table of contents and outline all of the processes that you would you would want to go through if you wanted to speed up your website so should we take number one first number one is entitled fast wordpress hosting i suppose that's fairly obvious but what what is it that we should be looking out for uh when we when we're going cap in hand to a host Oh uh, yeah, that's a good question. I started this post with the obvious hosting because for one, it's the obvious foundation for any WordPress website. And the other reason is that the hosting space is so crowded, like we mm. had um, in our conversation before this recording. There's so many different WordPress hosts with all these different types of technology going on and throwing their marketing millions at everybody and his mother who's using a website. So um, basically, the main essence from that post is that you should stay away from shared hosting like HostGator, Bluehost, GoDaddy, and so on with those cheap $1 to $3 per month hosting plans because it's just technically the wrong foundation to have a fast-loading website. Like you're sharing the server literally with other websites. The infrastructure of the hosting server itself, like what, what services and what software is installed on the server and how, how up to date the server is in terms of the versions of PHP and stuff like that, all these technical details. Um, those shared hosting 
companies don't really put an emphasis on making the websites they serve load fast. Mm. I would rather go to a host that's a bit more expensive. I'm not talking like $40 per month for a single website, but like uh, what I recommend in this post is the Cloudways hosting. I host around, let me see, eight servers with a combined probably 70 websites on Cloudways. Obviously some for clients, some are mine. And with Cloudways, what I found is that it's super easy to adjust the servers based on the on how many visitors you get per month. So a website that has 500 visitors per month needs different server resources than a website that has 500,000, obviously. And you can just scale those servers as you grow. Mm. This is what what I love the most about Cloudways. We've um, we've kind of entered. Uh, it feels like it's been over the last couple of years that the emphasis has gone away from the price point, and people are more now looking at you know what you get for that price point. Although yeah. interestingly, the the price point is still amazingly aggressive and competitive for 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 some of the you know the the the. the the companies that you've just mentioned um but yeah we're looking for things like scalability and so on and so forth and the the ease of sort of switching things up and switching things down yeah um yeah it's a completely different space you know if you were to go back five years shared hosting was just the normal and people were talking about you know vps oh vps and nobody <laughs> self, yeah yeah servers, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and then occasionally somebody might have a you know a dedicated server or something whereas now with the way that you've got these containerized solutions everything is so ridiculously easy i guess it's just a question of going out looking for um the one that suits your needs and finding if they've got you know add-on services or ways of installing things on those platforms that might make it a little bit easier for you i know there's a whole bunch of companies that that will um do that kind of thing for you as well so okay fair enough yeah don't go for the the shared hosting would be your advice what's also very important when it comes to choosing web hosts is that you talk to the chat support beforehand Mm. so in case things go south you want somebody um you feel comfortable talking to so if the pre-sale support is bad don't expect the aftermarket sales support or the support actually in an emergency case to be better. Mm. Um, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. fair enough. That, that, that's on. a lesson I learned the hard way when I was on a vacation with my with my wife and one of our servers um, from a client website that was not Cloudways but a German web host went down and we had to wait until 9 a.m. until support times opened Ew. to get the website break on. Yeah. Ew. Oh, I know from bitter experience the... Um... The, the problems of hosting people's <laughs> websites when you're on holiday in a yeah. tent. Uh, <laughs> you get the uh, get the phone out and tether your laptop to it. Great fun. Um, yeah, they are good. good yeah, well, fair enough. I think they're all good points. So essentially go shop around, chat to support, see if they've got yeah. your, your back before you um, hop on. Yeah, great advice. And, and right. see if they have a data center in the location where your target audience mm. lives. Yeah, it's a good so, if your readers are in North America, you will want your website to be hosted in a server in North America. 
It gets complicated, doesn't it, with things like you know CDNs thrown in and all sorts of things. But um, essentially, caveat emptor, do do the research. And uh, yeah. you, very often, you'll find that in the um, in the Facebook groups of WordPress related um, Facebook groups, this conversation comes up a lot. It tends to be a point of contention when people write, "What's the best host?" Um, <laughs> uh, people tend to get a bit but, annoyed because that question appears so many times. But uh, by, by group... what measures? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, a better way to phrase. It is in in your experience what's what are the criteria i should be looking for in yeah. a good wordpress host as opposed to just tell me tell me the name <laughs> because what you'll find is everybody's got a different opinion on that okay let's go to the second point of your extraordinarily long and detailed article which is all, all about themes and page builders what's what's been your experience uh, in this section that's also a section in the WordPress field that is uh, prone to change quite rapidly, mm. as we've seen in this year with page builders like Beaver Builder, Elementor, and stuff like that coming up really, really strong. And I think just a few years ago, I thought I used a theme that's called the Ken uh, from Artbeast, which has the Visual Composer page builder, and it was so bloated. Yeah, I mean, I, I used it on many, many sites because it just made sim made things simple to build. And sometimes the clients that you have to work with being a WordPress freelancer don't want to pay for uh, elegant code, basically. So they are happy with those themes that load all these portfolio items and employee custom post types and all these other stuff that they don't ever need. But if, as long as you can build the sites quickly enough with that theme, they're happy with it. Mm. Um, so they don't have to pay for your time for using a theme that's well built, that's not bloated, not loading much overhead. Mm. And with, uh, I think with this year, what the vast majority of the WordPress market saw was the rise of themes that are very quickly to load. Like my own website is built on the plain Genesis framework and then with uh, Thrive Architect as the page builder. Okay. Um, you've mentioned your, yourself that you're using Beaver Builder quite a bit, yes. which also can load quite fast. Yep. And I think that's definitely the right move now with Gutenberg being a thing. Uh, we looked at the source code of this post um, that we that we use to walk through before the call, and we saw how flat the code structure actually is with Gutenberg. Yes. So I think it will help to make WordPress sites load quite a bit faster in the future. It was very flat, actually. The I was quite surprised. So if you go to uh, Jan's post, wpmastery.xyz forward slash wpbuild, and then do an inspect on it, you'll notice that there's... There's hardly anything nested inside of anything else, whereas my experience with all page builders, because of the the complexity of what they are often trying to achieve, uh, there's divs within divs within divs in order to to make things possible, whereas this is just, well, there's hardly anything. And you, um, you'd see those nested divs on any other page yes. on the website. Oh, okay. This page in particular. Oh, that's fascinating. So just on this one, you gave Gutenberg a, a go. Yeah. Um, and it seems so. So there we go. That's an interesting point in itself. If you're going to produce a piece of long form content that is just content where you don't need any other flashy, you know, page like qualities, um, maybe you don't need sidebars and maybe you don't need things to, to swoop in from the left and the right and have complicated layouts because this is just text. Well, it's headings and paragraphs with images 
uh, f- occupying the full horizontal uh, row. Uh, yeah, that that is really flat, isn't it? Very, very cool indeed, and presumably quite quick to write with Gutenberg as well. Yeah, it was actually it was quite a pleasant surprise on how well you can write content yep. in Gutenberg. Yep. Um, my my sort of weapons of choice, if you like, I, I I just because of history and the fact that I I use it a lot, I I tend to use um, Beaver Builder. And, yeah. and on top of that, I will put. Um, I've got a, a predilection for either the Beaver Builder theme or Generate Press or Astra. I've played yeah. with those ones in particular. Um, and I think a problem that people sometimes find when they're new to WordPress, if anybody is new to WordPress and you you come across those themes, you will be beguiled if you go to somewhere like Theme Forest. Because you'll be looking at those websites <laughs> and thinking, oh, yeah, but look what this can do. And I installed Generate Press and it doesn't have any of that. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, um, you're trying to yeah. avoid all of that at all cost and keep it you're, simple. You're hitting the nail on the head right there. Yeah, yeah. you don't want I, things I, swooping in. You don't want custom post types and all of that. You can do that yourself later. Yeah, and I, I think that's a very important aspect to talk about because it's again, to me, what how I see it is that all those theme creators what they need to do is they need to market their themes as the best ones possible. Mm. And um, the most, uh, the theme that gets the most use cases done probably has the biggest audience the creator can market to. Whereas themes like Astro or Generate Press or even Genesis themes with their very limited say visual options that you can have, like they don't come with much. It also narrows down the target audience for those themes quite a bit compared to the, let's say, average WordPress user who's just trying to run a simple website or a simple blog and who wants those flashy elements and doesn't have a design background mm. and does, doesn't see it as a serious business, basically, mm. which which still probably makes up the vast majority of WordPress users. Um, those people tend to fall very easily for those flashy themes that come with all sorts of options and functions they probably might need like two years down the road. Whereas with themes like Generate Press and then the combination with the with the Beaver Builder plugin, it's more work to build those sites and you need to be more skilled in building sites. But the sites, the site quality and the code quality is so much better. That's right. I mean, you've got a team uh, in in those cases. You've got yeah. you know two teams that are just uh, bent on making it as load as fast as possible. You know, the the page builder does add something to the 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 amount of time. Generate Press itself is very very lean. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, if you want the if you want the features that come with a page builder like Beaver Builder Elementor or something, you are gonna. You are going to take a hit no matter what, but um, yeah, fascinating. So you, you're using Thrive Architect mostly, are you? That's your weapon yeah. of choice. Yeah, I recently started playing around with uh, Elementor and Astra on on a copy of my own website. Yep. But since I got Thrive to load so quickly, there's really no need for me to spend time on switching tools currently. Yeah, I've never really played with it. Is there a reason why you've? Is there a sort of is there a feature of it that you found to be a killer, or is it just now one of those things where, well, I can't improve upon it in terms of speed, so I might as well just stick with it? I came to use it because I have been grandfathered in uh, my Thrive Leads subscription. Ah, okay. 
I, I got on with Thrive Leads very early on and still have an unlimited side license. Right. And so it just made sense for me at some point to to try out Thrive Build, uh, Thrive Architect, mm -hmm. I think it was two years ago or something. And um, yeah, just really liked the functionality. I can't say it's much better or worse than other page builders from my experience. But I just, uh, as I said, I'm happy with the loading speed right now. I think my experience with a lot of page builders is that they, they seem to be coalescing on a similar feature set. Um, and as time goes on, you know, there are one or two things which this one does that that one doesn't do and one yeah. or two other, you know, but essentially they're, they're all trying to achieve the same thing. And, and to a to a certain degree, they they can all achieve it. Um, yeah. And my advice is always, you know, if, if you're happy with one, just become really good with it. Learn yeah. its quirks, learn its nuances, learn how to do things. And, and then you'll be marketable. You know, you can do things without having to learn all over again. I, I've I've it's it's just not for me anymore that whole battle of which is better i'm just kind of a bit over that and i'm i'm happy with what i've got and i'm going to stick with it so yeah 100% yeah so the so we've done uh, looking at decent hosting themes and page builders and what have you let's talk about cache configuration because i um this is an area where i'm i'm really not that um not that clever i don't know an awful lot about it certainly from a technical point of view i know what has worked for me in the past and i've tried various things very often for me it involves um using a plugin perhaps yeah or something like that i mean on my own servers i've got a setup which works for me it's a bit complicated but it does work what's your what's your advice here what's your plugin of choice and what have you tried um I've tried many things and I've broken more websites than I can count when trying to optimize <laughs> caching. <laughs> um, I think what's most important here is that you get the foundation right with uh, caching on the server. As you mentioned, you've got your own setup with uh, a reverse proxy beforehand. This also comes back to the choice of hosting in the first place because the, those um, Cloudway servers I'm using, they have multiple layers of server-side caching, mm -hmm. which in itself speeds up the loading time. And then I have, um, on most websites I personally use, I run the Swift Performance Pro plugin for mm -hmm. caching. Mm -hmm. And I've just pulled up the settings page so I, I can talk through those main items that I have configured. Mm -hmm. And on the client sites we do for the maintenance uh, care plans, we use WP Rocket as a caching plugin and again it's i think with caching plugins it's similar to page builders they all do somewhat the same it's like only so many different variations you can cache a website mm -hmm. there, there's only so many screws you you can try and turn to get the best configuration for caching and basically what you try to do with caching is to reduce the amount of server resources used so that the server can present the website faster to your website visitors. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, um, having played with some of these plugins at various times, are there any that you've decided are a kind of not recommend ones that you've, yeah. you've okay? Definitely, one that one that's um, free and I don't recommend is W three Total Cache. Hmm. And that's not because it's bad. I think it's a really, really good plugin, but it's I found it to be very difficult to get it right to configure it properly. I found that the administrative interfaces with W3 Total Cache are super complicated when compared to those very cheap 
paid hosting uh, caching plugins and i think only that that time you save when using a smart smartly designed interface is worth paying i think swift performance is like four dollars a month or something like that mm. so um, it's it's really not a deal breaker yeah when you're doing this what are the what is there an order that you do this in you know is there a like this is going to be your biggest win with a caching plugin because i know there's like multiple uh, layers of options but w- yeah. what what order do you uh, do you try to tackle things in and do you do you have sort of like recommendations in terms of um you know what could break things what has broken things in the past yeah. and and possible possible problems say for example with editing pages or posts particularly with page builders with caches that's a really good question uh the first thing i try to do when i set up a cache is i try to reduce the number of requests needed to load a website. Mm-hmm. So when you use a tool like GTmetrix or Pingdom or whatever, they show you how many resources are loaded when your website gets loaded. And I try to get those down to as few as possible, mostly by merging the JavaScript files and the style sheets. Those are two big factors and those are also probably the two things you can do when setting up a cache that most often break your website. Yes, I was just about to say exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) So when I break a website with caching, it is because the merging is not configured properly. But what I like about uh, the Swift Performance plugin here is when you install it, it has some sort of uh, wizard that checks what server settings you have and how the page is structured in terms of which scripts are absolutely needed for the theme and for the plugins and stuff like that. And then you just tick a box that says merge scripts. And in my case, most often Swift Performance Pro automatically excludes scripts like jQuery JS that usually should not be merged because they are the foundation of all the other scripts. Yep. So, so that that is a very handy function. Mm. Um, I've done this countless times, you know, um, just experimenting and ticking boxes, yeah. and, and suddenly, oh, it just just doesn't work at all. And like you say, it's it's merging things which which cannot be merged. Um, in most cases, it's a question of unticking the box, and hopefully yeah. that will work. But I, yeah. I've also had experience where to unticking the box was still left things um, all mangled. I had to go in and sort of manually fiddle with things. But um, yeah, that, that's the quickest win, isn't it? Merging things, but also fraught with danger. So perhaps do not test any of this on a live production website ever. Um, <laughs> at, it, least, at least if you're currently running paid traffic campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I, I think, uh, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. the, the problem with testing these things is if you have a copy of your website on a different server, like if you don't have a staging set up on the same server as your live website yes, runs on, yes, those settings might be different. So I, I found it very hard to test caching when, say, I have a local copy of the website. I've downloaded the website, installed it on my, on my PC, and configured the caching there with a different server architecture than it is on the live website. Sometimes you have to go back in and uh, figure things, figure out why things broke that worked on your copy. 
That's a really good point. Um, it, it hadn't sort of really occurred to me. I do everything on staging environments with the exact same uh, server architecture. So, you know, the, the, the basic premises, um, if it works on the staging environment, it's going to work when I push push it live. But yeah, good point. If you're developing locally, that could really be different. And I suppose it goes back to the beginning where you were talking about hosting. Maybe those are some questions which you could ask right at the beginning. You know, you've settled yeah. on, let's say, Swift or Breeze or whichever, like WP Rocket or whatever. You could ask support what their experience is with their platform, with those plugins. Um, 100%, and yeah. See what see what their responses are. Okay, so we've we managed to let's say we managed to successfully um, merge uh, various things like JavaScript and so on. What comes next? What what would next be uh, a good performance related uh, thing that you could do with those plugins? Um, the next step would be to set expire setters, which uh, can be done without a plugin if you feel brave. And if, if you feel comfortable editing your HTXS file directly on the server, mm -hmm. you, you can set up those rules for making content uh, expire within one month or something like that. And all that means is that when somebody comes to your website for a second time, the browser still has the website stored in cache and thus the browser can show the website quite a bit faster than if it has to load the website from the server again. Mm. Other things that I really like to do uh, that come included with Swift is image performance, which is probably the second biggest gain besides uh, reducing the number of requests, which is basically uploading the images in the right dimensions at first and then stripping all the unnecessary data from the image files to make the files themselves as small as possible. We seem to be in a, a real, uh, this seems like 2018 and 2019 seem to be the year of image optimization with so many services popping up yeah. all over the place. I mean, at the moment, the ones that come to mind are um, there's uh, WP Compress, there's Short Pixel, there's um, Smush and Smush Pro, and there's probably a whole bunch of others. And obviously, as you've said, the Swift Performance plugin comes with that um, in inside of the, the, the plugin itself. Do you um, have you played with any of these and found that one was working better than another? For example, I know that um, like Smush, it uses your resources to to do the compression. Yeah. So if, if that's important and you're paying for those CPU cycles, that that could be a thing. Whereas things like um, uh, WP Compress and ShortPixel, they offload that work to their infrastructure, and then then once it's been done, they they push it back into your media library and so on. Have you um have you got any experience of preferring one for a particular reason, or do they basically all do the same thing? From my experience, they basically all do the same thing, but mm -hmm. how they work is differently, just as you said. Um, I've tested a different service beforehand, which was I think it was Kraken.io, mm -hmm. and they also offload the the server resources to their own server when processing the images. I think what's very important in this regard is just to be aware of the settings that you're using when optimizing images. So most of those plugins come in with uh, lossless compression, for example, where they just strip all the metadata like a camera model used, used to take the picture or the latest Photoshop version edited the picture or stuff like that, mm. which couldn't be more irrelevant when embedding an image on a website. And then they also have uh, lossy 
compression methods that reduce image quality but also lead to reasonably smaller file sizes and just as we said in the conversation before this recording at sometimes they get too aggressive and yes. they mess up the image quality quite a bit so as we said earlier i would probably run this on a test site and see how or at least have a backup that you can bring back to restore the original versions of the images before you uh, process all the images on your website if the i know in the case of for example um smosh that uh, it it enables you to keep the original copy and obviously if yeah. the intention here is wordpress speed um then what you should keep it why not have have a backup copy in case the the output is is not suitable and and actually depends upon the image itself i think you know if it's a very yeah. um let's say for example it's an it's an image with a huge variety of colors in it with lots of different shapes and what have you that's that is going to look different where if it's you know if it's flat colors with a bit of text on it or something that's probably not and yeah. having the option to back out is is important. The the reason I think that Smush decide to give you the option to remove the image is because they're trying to reduce your overall spend on um, disk space. But if that's yeah, that, that's, that's not an important topic here. Yeah, yeah. Um, then the you know it's not really related to the speed of the website. It's more related to the amount that you're paying for your hosting because of the hard yeah. disk resources that you're using. Um, yeah, I, I've messed <laughs> I've messed that up before, um, and in fact, I'm probably going to have to spend a bit of time this afternoon fixing up a bit of a mess that I've created y yesterday for exactly this reason. I think I ticked the wrong box, box and I've gone and um, I've gone and squashed images to within an inch of their lives, and now the the clarity between its text on a background and the colours are such that they don't. I don't know what it is, but the the image optimization didn't work between those two colors so well, and so it's really not looking all that great. So, slap on the wrist for me. So yeah, notice what you're doing. Yeah, but stripping out um, stripping out all the metadata is a no brainer. Get rid of all that. It bears yeah. no relationship whatsoever to your website. Yeah. But then, like you say, there's all sorts of ways that they can compress images, and uh, you can download things on the Mac, for example, Image Optin. I think it op op something like that. Image Opt. I think it's called Image Optin. Image Optin, yeah. Yeah, um, that, I think that's a Mac only thing, and you can basically chuck it in there, and it does the same thing before you upload it. Yeah, you you can also use uh, Kraken IO has a free web interface you can use. Yes, where you can basically drag and drop the image onto their website and download the compressed version. Yeah, and even when you, when you run your website through GT Metrics and they find images that could be optimized, you can download optimized versions directly from those anal analysis results. Um, I just find I, I, I'm a lazy person, to yeah. be honest, <laughs> in, that in that regard, at least. So I just find it to be way more comfortable if I can just upload the files to the media library and some service whatsoever takes care of it. I think also it's because my experience is that 100% of my clients have no idea what's going on with this. And so they'll they'll happily take a 16 megapixel photograph on their camera consuming like 8 megabytes or something and they'll upload it to the website and you know they just sort of expect it to work. So reducing its dimensions significantly, you know, so I don't know 1280 or something like that. Um and then squashing it so that some of the yeah. uh, the metadata is gone and the image quality is reduced. You in the end 
they're going to thank you for that because their bill will quickly ramp up. <laughs> uh, I've, I have an estate agent who, you know, every time they put a custom post on, which is a house or a flat or a property, they're they uploading good yeah, pictures. 20 or 30 pictures per property from all angles, you know, the front door, yeah. the back door and the car, the garden and all that. And it quickly ramp. I mean, really quickly ramps up to gigabytes and gigabytes of data. <laughs> So in that case, I have enabled it to destroy the original image because the original yeah. image is the obstacle and it's going to cost them a fortune. And, um, and in such cases, you also want to make sure that the file or uh, the theme or the page builder you're using is using the source set attribute yes. when embedding images so that the server only or that the browser rather only loads the image in the right resolution yes that's a good point i'd, I'd forgotten about that um yeah wordpress added that a little while ago didn't they and um, yeah and so now I, th I think there are some situations if i'm right where that doesn't quite work you know like certain configurations of mobile phones where things get a bit messed up but yeah it's a bit of an edge case mostly i, I think with mobile phones and those retina devices um there is a JavaScript library actually for making a WordPress site Retina ready if it isn't isn't already. And what you do is you upload the image. Say your content size or your content width is 800 pixel. Yeah. And you want an image to go across those 800 pixel. You would upload it in 800 pixel and in 1,600 pixel, and then append add to X to the image name. Mm. Mm. And then the JavaScript would automatically load the add to X version on Retina sc uh, screens. It's amazing, isn't it? The complicated yeah. nature of everything. Just simple images. <laughs> yeah, ju just based on pixel density of the screen, actually. I would imagine, though, that on, for example, your website is, sorry, the, the article that I'm looking at is, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick my finger in the air and say it's 70% text. So let's say it's 30% yeah. of the, the the viewport is occupied by images and 70% is occupied by text. But I'll bet that the images take up a hell of a lot more data going across <laughs> the wire than, yeah. the, than the text does. So yeah. very important to look at this if you've got... Yeah, a, a, that, that's why I also have lazy loading on the images. Yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. I loaded it <laughs> and then just sort of scrolled randomly through it. And by the time I'd got to the end, it was all... Yeah, good point. So there's another thing to do. <laughs> Load them as and when they're needed. Because what's the point in loading an image that's right down at the bottom of the page that's not being looked at? Yeah, very yeah. good point. Um, my, my website is so fast that you didn't notice it. On that's the what it is. That's what it <laughs> of is. Of course, yeah. that's what it is. Do you... Um, <laughs> do you offload your images to nope. some other service or is it stuck on your Cloudway server? Yeah. It, it, they are all stuck on my Cloudway server because yeah. I'd rather have them, or as long as the website loads as fast as it does, I'd rather have them all on my own server and reduce the number of domains I need to connect to. Yeah, again, in much the same way that I feel that images are being like a image optimization is a bit of a thing at the moment i also feel that we're on the edge of something where potentially you know offloading this that and the other thing to all sorts of cloud-based services yeah. is, is going to be a bit of a thing next year with you know yeah. all sorts of plugins popping up to do exactly that a few we, we can actually talk about that next if you like yeah because i have it. one section in that article uh, about cloudflare yep which is just such a service and I actually use them as a content delivery network, and I try to offload all those uh, resources, the static resources, to them. But I found that it actually slowed down the website. Huh? Just what? For, because of the calls to and from? It was taking longer, or was it? What was the reason that you tracked? I, I honestly have no idea. I yeah. just might 
might be too stupid to set it up properly, but um, I wasn't able to get to those sub one second loading times with the Cloudflare caching uh, activated. The only thing I use Cloudflare for now is uh, the DNS. The because DNS, I, yeah. I, I found the DNS is uh, pretty fast with Cloudways. Yeah, that's pretty weird. I wonder why that didn't work out for you. I'm just wondering. I, if... I assume it is because they take security quite seriously. Okay. Because their, their main use case isn't being a CDN, but securing websites. So I assume they have some sort of algorithms that process the requests and try to filter out uh, like attacks and stuff like that. Yes. Which might add a second or two to the loading time. Yeah, there might be some sort of handshake going on between yeah. you know the, the, your website requesting something and AWS or whatever it is sort of sending packets backwards and forwards just confirming who you... I don't really know. That's fascinating because that's always been... Um, I've always heard of, about it in terms of oh, it's a real benefit. It does really well. I've never never yeah. touched it, but I've I've never heard of anybody not being successful with it. So that's yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. What, so, what what I've noticed is um, when I use my GT Metrics account and I add various locations to test the website from, um, the loading time varies by I want to say three hundred percent. Wow! So when I run the test from London. Um, my data center is in Germany because I have to apply to GDPR and stuff like that, yep. being based in Germany. Yep. Um, I have loading times around 0.6 to maybe 0.9 seconds. Wow. When I run it from the US, I have loading times around 2.1 seconds. Okay. So there might be a use case for a CDN. Yes. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. So is your your um, Cloudways account, where physically is that box? In Frankfurt, Germany. And does it do, because I don't know anything about Cloudways, do they, they don't have their own CDN or they do or it's a paid add-on yeah, or something? They, they do and it's it's a quite affordable add-on, but I didn't take the time to configure that properly. Right. Right, so presumably it's something to do with the speed of light and, you know, packets yeah. literally firing across the Atlantic to and fro yeah. because although the distance is tiny, imagine how many how many hops it's got to get to, you know, it's got to go out of Frankfurt, it's got to find a find another router somewhere else which then has to push it onto another router and then eventually it finds its way over to, you know, North America and then it goes through various other routes and then back again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it amazing. Might, might, might be a thing of physical distance, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it probably is. Um, but it, but interestingly, like you say, for a very small price, yeah. you, can, um, you can mitigate that problem and pay Cloudways or whichever hosting company you're working with a small fee and they'll offload all of your resources to a server closer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what's your experiences with um, with sort of those types of services? Do you, have you ever used them successfully, and you know, deployed it to a CDN elsewhere? Um, I have used CDNs for clients, which work really well. Well, if they have like a really globally distributed audience, that's probably the only use case when I ever touch CDNs. Mm. Um, in those cases, they help even out those speed test results, as I just said, and they tried. Uh, they help to make the websites load faster all across the globe. Mm. Um, as we, yeah, as we said, it's a difference if you choose a CDN from a provider that is focused on security rather than 
loading speed itself because if you go with the CDN like stack path, I assume you will get faster loading times than if you have the CDN of Securi, for example, who's focused on WordPress security. I'm wondering with all of this stuff, you know, your article has gone, we've gone through all sorts of things, you know, hosting, themes, page builders, caching, image optimization, um, and then cache, sorry, you know, like a CDN now. Um, I'm wondering if if we're doing all of this for the end user or are we primarily doing this for Google? Um, Because I I wonder, you know, your website that you said there where you managed to get it down to 0.6 if you're in... proximity of frankfurt yeah. which is you know that essentially is you click a button and it's instantly there to all intents and purposes that's immediate i can't yeah. I, I can't you know it's the click of a finger it's nothing um 2.1 seconds it, it's it's not the click of a finger but it's still uh, there's no way that i would be put off by that personally i would happily give a second 2.1 a site sorry 2.1 seconds to load i'd be all right with that um, but I know that Google's not. So yeah. are we doing this just for search engine or do, do, do we have any data that you know of where people literally are so intolerant of that 2.1 seconds or whatever that they'll go away? Obviously, if it goes up to like eight seconds or something, that's ridiculous. You know, people yeah. really will. But do you think we're, we're pushing this to the nth degree just to satisfy Google? Um, certainly, Google plays a big role in mm. this in this work. But what I also think is that with the current shift, and I'm not trying to get philosophical here, but in the current shift of how people use technology, Mm. the attention spans get so much shorter. Mm. And if I think about myself and I'm waiting in a line, say, when shopping for groceries or something, and I'm just trying to check in what's going on on a certain website I like, and that takes like three seconds or four seconds, then it might be better to have that website show up within one second. Yeah. Because I I just I'm not intended I'm not intending to read the full article, but I wanna see what I can read when I'm back home, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um I think attention spans are dwindling uh to, yeah. to a, a, an amazing amount. The the one site that constantly impresses me with its ability to load an incredible amount of data immediately is the BBC properties. Yeah. Um over in the UK the BBC is the you know the, they do the news they do the, the the all of that stuff they do programming online and everything and it never ceases to amaze me you know even on a completely cleared out cache free browser if I go to the bbc.co.uk forward slash news page, it, it bam, everything immediately, all at once. Um, and, I, I, it, and it's impressive. You know, it's like turning the page of a newspaper. It doesn't load in sections. You know, it, yeah. it's just there it is. So whilst my caveat a minute ago was that, um, that I, it probably wouldn't bother me, I am deeply impressed, though, when I see a big site like that loading. And obviously, if you're a... If you're a news property and people are coming back time and time again, that sort of stacks up, doesn't it? And I think yeah. you're right. I think especially the younger generation who are yeah. used to this technology, maybe that is. Maybe that two two seconds is a bridge too far. And um, I, I think you've also touched on a very important point here, which is uh, the perceived quality of a website that loads so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think really it just... 
in terms of user experience, just as you did now do marketing for BBC because their site loads fast, mm. I think that's exactly one of the biggest advantages in having a fast website. Yeah, just people will be, they'll just view it favorably. Yeah, it's it's not a standard yet to have websites load within a second or two. No, but it's coming. Um, yeah. I, I can see this being a, a, another topic, so, so page load speeds and all that. Um that's really interesting. I, I don't know if we've have we gone through your points. We've gone through most of them, I think. The only one that I th- you've... I think the the plugins is the one we skipped, but it's um, I think plugins are very almost self explanatory with uh, good reasoning. Yeah. Like don't use plugins that you, or don't have plugins installed that you don't use. Yes. For, for example, um, if you wanna go deeper into the topic of optimizing plugins i would run your website or various pages and posts of your website through tools like gt metrics and see which plugin loads which scripts on which website because for example the contact form 7 plugin which is really popular i found it to load its scripts on websites where i didn't have a contact form right yes which which doesn't make any sense yes um, so you're saying check out if a, a particular plugin loads its its resources into pages yeah. where it's got no business loading its resources. Yeah, so, if you're serious about speed, that's that's a big point. Yeah. Yes, good point. Do you um is there any benefit in people not just deactivating but uninstalling um, particular plugin? I know from a security point of view, but uh, there's. I've I've often pondered that. I've thought, well, I've I've deactivated it. That's it. I can just leave it there and think I might come back to that. As an example, I've been playing around the last couple of days with image optimization plugins, and I've just disabled this and think I'll come back to it later because it's gone. It's not loading anything. It can't be doing anything. That's yeah. right, isn't it? I think it depends on the plugin itself. I don't think that um, there is a global rule that uninstalling is better than deactivating. No. Though some plugins... I hope that's the majority, but I'm not sure. When you uninstall them, they should also clean up the database after them and delete the files properly. Like with image optimization plugins, for example, maybe they store some sort of cache files yes. to, to load those images. Yes. And if you deactivate them, those cache files might be still present on the server, whereas when you unload them, you uh, when you uninstall the plugin, you get the option to delete those files. That's exactly why I've done it in this particular case, because I'd spent a long time configuring the options. Yeah. And I was just trying out a different solution. And I thought, well, I can't be bothered to do those options again. <laughs> I, I know it's in the database. So, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting point. Yeah, a fascinating subject. I think I think this is going to be a, a, a growth area in the next yeah. couple of years. Um, and thanks for coming on and chatting to Absolutely. us about it today. It's really interesting. So Jan can be found at wpmastery.xyz or xyz. And if you want to read this particular long post, which is sort of probably getting on for multiple thousands of words. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's wpmastery.xyz forward slash wpbuilds. Just before we finish, I always give everybody a bit of a chance to... Tell them, tell the audience about them, you know, their Twitter handle, anything, Facebook group that they've got or whatever. So over to you for a couple of minutes. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you can reach me on Twitter at I am Jan Koch. That's the official Twitter handle. I run a Facebook group that's called I use WordPress. If you want to join and get some direct information. 
Um, other than that, what I do on WP Mastery mostly is sharing content on how to configure your WordPress site properly. Obviously, since we are an agency providing services in maintenance and speed optimization and basically handling your entire website for you, we've got plenty of experience that make up for good articles like the one we just walked through. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. That's great. Um yeah, thanks for coming on, and thanks to anybody who's listened. Reach out to Jan if you've got any further questions. But for today, thank you, Jan. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Well, there you go. I hope you got something out of today's episode, and Jan Koch was able to deliver some interesting and informative information about speeding up your WordPress website. I certainly learned a lot. There was quite a few nuggets in there that I wasn't familiar with, and I should be implementing those suggestions going forwards. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by WP and Up. One in four of us will be directly affected by mental health-related illness. WP and Up supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Up by visiting wpandup.org forward slash give. Okay, I hope you can join us next week. Next Thursday, we'll be putting another podcast episode out. Also, on a Monday, we give out our WordPress weekly news. We do an audio version as well as an email, and you can look at the the body of the, the podcast to find out what the articles are that we're talking about. But also, in case you didn't know, at 2 p.m. on a Monday, UK time, we also have a live episode in our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. And there you can join me and some special guests as we talk about the WordPress news and you can join us live and comment and it's marvellous. It's becoming a very, very friendly and interesting, interesting part of my Monday. Right, that's it for the WP Builds podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye for now.